I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Oneness, I think, is the only way that all humans on planet Earth will be able to sustain and, and progress and move forward in our evolution. Get out there, look at art, expose yourself to as much art. Your soul needs it, society needs it. Art feeds the human soul. It makes the world a better place. Find whatever stokes your inner fire and pursue it. One should always believe in what he or she can create. I just wanted to hop on here before we get to episode 53 and let everyone know to stay tuned to the very end because we are giving away some incredible gifts from Heidi Luera, our podcast guest today. She has been gracious enough to share some of her content further beyond this podcast. So again, stay tuned to the very end so that you can get your hands on some gifts from Heidi Luera and Raw Artists. Let's do it. Episode 53. All right, this week on the podcast, I'm so excited to talk to this woman. I have known of her company and her business for many years. In fact, I was one of the early uh, early visitors of her event in Denver when it occurred. I think maybe 2010, 2011, we will, we will work that out in our conversation. And with Crave Magazine, we've been a huge supporter. We've been part of, part of her organization. It is Raw Artists, and I'm speaking with the founder and I don't know, director, boss lady, Heidi Luera. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. What an entry, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Like I said, I found you in the early days, but before we get into that, I, if, you've, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I always start out with an inspiration. So I'd like to ask you the same, to give me something that inspires you. It can be anything. So I'll just leave it there. Give me something that inspires you. I'm going to be really cliche right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I recently had a baby son. and Congratulations. Thank you. He's about to be six months and he is definitely my sole inspiration at the moment. Oh, okay. Thanks. Sorry, that's not more artsy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not cliche at all. If you had said nature... That might be a little cliche because I get that all the time, but, but no, I think that's, that's fantastic. Let me ask you this. You said he's going to be about six months. Yes. In, mm -hmm. in what way does he inspire you? I think watching him discover everything for the first time and be puzzled over things. And okay. like this morning, I gave him a little bit of Greek yogurt on my finger and just seeing the face that he made, I don't know, it's, it's inspiring to be the sole caretaker of this little human being that knows nothing, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah. You have to teach him everything. And like, it's inspiring to figure out how I'm going to do that, how I can do it better than other experiences that I maybe had perhaps, sure 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 etc so I, I think it's uh it's a very inspiring experience to have offspring <laughs> my first <laughs> my first time doing it and I, uh, I, I yeah 
Well, like I said, congratulations. But I'll give you a more artsy answer. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go. Yeah, two. Give me your second I just thought about it. Another okay. inspiration, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but in general, I think I've been inspired if I had to find a common thread throughout my life by things that I wanted to be different. And then I would find a way to do it myself. <laughs> ah. So things that I don't are not to my standards liking or available. I okay. almost consider myself an activist in a weird way of like taking matters into my own hand. <laughs> That's an uh, interesting way to put it. Yeah. So I get inspired by that. It makes me move most of the time. Well, I mean, and in many ways, that's, you know, the sign of an entrepreneur, of a true entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, this isn't, this isn't the way I want it, or this isn't the way it should be. I'm going to go out and make it the way it should be. Or I'm going to create it. It could from... be so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. So you are the founder of Raw Artists. Yes. And, and for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm going to see if I can get this right. And then you can correct me. <laughs> Raw Artists is an underground art movement. And I think that was one of your slogans at, at one time, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're underground or we're the underground or we know, dig the underground we dig that. the underground yeah that's it yeah, that was, that's and it. and what you have grown what you do basically is within any city that you that raw exists you put on art shows but it but the art show is music is not just art visual art but it's also music and fashion and dance and accessories and hair and any anything really that encompasses the arts, um, mm-hmm. you know. I actually felt, saw fire artists at a couple of your shows, and so, so is that correct? Yes, get that right. Yes, yes. yeah, you got it. There are multifaceted <laughs> art showcases, and we don't discriminate on what types of creativity that you bring to the table. Yeah, that's fantastic. And as an entrepreneur, yours is a true success story because, like I said, I in the intro, I first came across raw artists. I think it was 2011. Um, I was working for a fashion-esque magazine in Denver, Colorado, and your event came across our pipeline and I got sent out to cover it. Well, actually, maybe I volunteered. I was like, oh, this looks totally dope. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> and I don't know if you were there at the time or if you're there because you're you're in L.A. or California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in the burp now. Okay. Thank you <laughs> well, you know, we got a kid. But I was in downtown L.A. for, yeah, the last eight years and in L.A. for 17 years total. Yep. You have a kid and a family now, so of course you have exactly. To I have to make life a little quieter for for him. <laughs> but yeah, so you and you started raw in LA, and we'll get into your story in a little bit. But you started in LA, and then you kind of spread it to a couple other spread it, spread it. You, you expanded, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm like i fun here. You spread it, 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 it. <laughs> yeah, expanded to a couple other cities in in California. And then you got this brilliant idea, which I can't wait to talk about with this road trip where you took it across the country and expanded across the U.S. And yeah. now you're expanded across the world, which we will also discuss. But I found you, uh, the Raw Artist event in Denver came across our, our desk and I went. It was at the Jet Hotel in Denver, which was this little mm-hmm. boutique hotel. But they had this art event. And what I really loved about that event at the time, talk about old school. This was in 2011. So we, we had the iPhone back then. <laughs> Barely, yeah. <laughs> Barely, but it was had been a few years. But what you guys had was when I remember checking in and we got the old school stickers, where it's like these dot stickers, colored dot stickers. And as the 
as I think it was maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe just all the guests were welcome to go around. And when you saw artists that you, that you liked, you just put a sticker on their, on their poster thing or whatever you dot it. You said, this is the artist that I like in the visual arts or whatever, whatever. And, and that was the way for us to vote for the artists that we liked as a way for you guys to, to recognize artists that were popular or artists that had touched something with the fans and became like the city artists, recognized artists and et cetera. Yeah. So. Okay. So the event you're specifically talking about. So we would have our regular events throughout the year, which were at that point in 2011, they were once a month. Okay. In okay. And then at the end of the year, we had what we called our raw words show. Ah, that yes. was, that was, we had a popular vote and a judge's vote. So we had local Denver judges weigh in for 50% of the vote. And then we had popular vote, which was, we did have stickers, which we thought was a brilliant idea. <laughs> I'm sure it was horribly wrong. Fine, but <sighs> live and learn. Don't yeah, put, yeah. you know, a bunch of creative, emotional creatures in a competition. It was <laughs> not everywhere, but in certain locations, we got mail about that for months. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. And you know, it's, it's one of those things yeah. where it's easy to uh, subvert the rules. Let's just say it's easy to cheat. And, you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm sure that there's unfortunately unsavory types that yeah, there were a few who were like, they stole my stickers. And then like, <laughs> it turned into a whole yeah, the whole yeah. Thing. so it was raw it was raw awards which was the year in event it was raw awards was the one that you attended you probably attended the other ones but that one in particular was kind of our year end who's the artist of the year the fashion designer of the year the yes. you know yeah, that's right that was the first one i attended i attended and then okay. um and then i've attended several throughout the years in denver and actually I didn't meet her there, but my wife, Jan Race, who's been on the podcast and, and he, she was a raw artist. I actually, before no we started way. dating, I came up, she was accessory. She was in, a finalist for accessory design of the year. She had these art shoes and I, this was, I maybe I had the magazine for a year or so and I was really, or I hadn't even launched it yet. That's what it was. The magazine was just a couple months away from launching and I was looking for artists to cover. And that was one of the reasons why I love raw because you guys have all these great artists and so I self, uh, what's the word I want to say here? Uh, I don't know. Now the word is that I was using raw for my own personal gain, if you will, <laughs> by finding <laughs> artists, <laughs> by, by, by scouting out artists and finding great art. So I went to see Jan Race because I had known her through, you know, kind of circles within the industry, fashion industry. But I went to raw to scout her out to see her work. And it was when she was nominated for finalist for accessory artist of the year. And she oh, put on this cool what yeah awesome i love hearing that and now you guys are married we're married yeah and well so let's get into your story i want to talk about you and how you established this and what happened i didn't talk about it in the introduction so why don't you just give us your story sure. as an artist and and what led you to to raw sure so i since i was about seven, nine, maybe I wanted to be a fashion designer. I used to throw fashion shows in my living room with my, my sister's karaoke machine or dress up. I have two brothers and a sister. So this is like been in my blood for a long time. 
I so also make- had like a, neighbor, a neighborhood club where I'd have meetings and agendas and wow. I met in my dad's shed in the backyard. So this is just who I am. I don't know what else to tell people, but <laughs> I was meant to lead things. And I've always been into um, the creative arts in some way, shape or form. Sure. I wanted to be in fashion since I was young. I also drew and colored and, you know took AP art classes and come from a family of musicians. So kind of just like immersed in creativity yeah, and interested yeah. in all of it. So three months after high school graduation, I moved to LA. I was 18 at the time and I didn't know anyone. And looking back, it's kind of insane that I did that. I lived in a garage. And moved, I ate moved to that. LA from where? From a small town in Northern California where I grew up. Okay. It's like population 88,000 people. Um, like northern above uh, above san francisco like above sacramento Redding. yeah it's almost oregon almost oregon beautiful okay. great place to to grow up but um not a lot of jobs or opportunity there yeah did you move to la by yourself i moved with a boyfriend okay i was gonna ask <laughs> i yeah, didn't want to be that that, <laughs> that kind of ended Oh God, I want to say like six months in to me living there. So then I was kind of on my own after that. Which allowed you to focus on your art career. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I moved with the intention of going to fashion school. Okay. Um, But I, once I got here, I decided to kind of not go right away. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to pause and take an intro entry sewing class and some psychology and philosophy classes at the local community college while I, you know, get acclimated. Um, And then I'll go to fashion school later. And I started working in the fashion industry, actually, at a really young age, I worked at a fashion showroom in downtown LA, which if you don't go to school and don't graduate, you most likely don't get a job like that. But I just got real lucky. I was working at a men's retail uh, suit shop at the time and measuring, I was selling and measuring people for tuxedos for weddings. Mm. This woman came in with her husband and he was getting fitted for a tuxedo and we started talking and she was like, yeah, I own a showroom downtown. I didn't even know really what that was. And she gave me her card and I offered to intern for free as long as she taught me everything she knew. Sure, so sure, sure. <laughs> at a really young age, I was um, driving into downtown Los Angeles and she made me lie about my age. Actually, she was like, do not tell anybody that you are 20. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I look like I was 12. So that, that's really funny. So I basically worked in the fashion industry at a really young age before I even went to school. So, but I had started my own clothing line as well, simultaneously to all of that occurring and was trying to find a place to showcase and market it. And at the same time was working in a restaurant, going to school full time, had my line on nights and weekends. Like, I, I don't know where I got all the energy to be honest, but you're 20. <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> I had friends that were amazing visual artists and amazing musicians. And I just thought it was kind of a, a drag that there wasn't a place to be seen. So there goes my inspiration. Oh, I'll do it. I'll create something. So in 2005, I launched a show that was just fashion, music, and art mm-hmm. in LA 
I had a fake ID. I didn't even, I wasn't even old enough to go in the venue that I was hosting the showcase. (laughs) (laughs) And I hosted the first showcase and it went off without a hitch. I didn't really know what I was doing, but 750 people showed up and it was a huge success. And I was like, and people started coming to me afterward and they're like, oh, I want, you know, to be in the next one. And, oh, you got to see my sister's clothing line. You've got to hear my brother's band. And it's like, what? Like suddenly I turned into this, you know, person that was vetting artists to be mm-hmm. a part of a show. I didn't even expect there to be a second one. It was just supposed to be for me and my friends. Yeah, yeah. So it was a complete accident, but after the second one, the first one I showed my line in, and that was a lot directing it and showing my own pieces. Your fashion line. Yes. My clothing line at the time. And then the second one. So given the amount of interest, I was like, sure, I'll throw another one and I'll just direct it. And that'll be much easier. And I did that and it was so much fun and people were getting were getting picked up by boutiques and like people were, you know, making really amazing connections at these showcases. And they were like coming and running and hugging me. And it was just like, thank you for this opportunity type of situation. And I suddenly became this purveyor of creativity in LA and barely knew the location, but there wasn't anything like what we were doing back then. Sure no one was combining those things and certainly not on a grand scale. So when I say it was an accident, it really was an accident. It was something that I invented for myself and my friends. And we all pitched in a little bit of money. We crowdfunded before crowdfunding was even a word (laughs) um, just because we knew we could do more together than we could apart. And we could bring more people together than we could apart. And then that's kind of how it continued to go. So I ran that show for three years until I was 23. And was it raw then or was it just something? No, it was a show called Project Ethos and it was just fashion, music and art. We grew it to a 2,500 person event. It was red carpet, celebrity attended. I gave a boyfriend, a different boyfriend (laughs) at that time, 50%. (laughs) company uh, very benevolently and ran it with him and that dynamic kind of changed I was young and naive and decided that uh yeah I needed to exit that situation Mm. (laughs) so I went into the corporate world for a little bit you know after a year of my soul kind of shrinking in yeah I was like this is definitely not for me I certainly learned a lot and made some great friends and connections but it it just wasn't my bag and yeah, uh, yeah. I like sorely missed the arts and missed providing that opportunity for people it felt like a really rewarding career to do sure. that so I basically took all my experience and I was like okay I'm gonna launch raw in 2009 and then in 2000 the tail end of 20 2008 i mean we all know the bomb dropped of you know u.s recession and i got laid off of my uh radio job anyway so it was kind of serendipitous i had already been working on raw and so i went back to like work at restaurants and do whatever i could in the interim but started raw 
in 2009 in downtown LA and opened it up to all creative genres and decided that I was going to duplicate what we did in Los Angeles all over the United States was initially the plan. And to do that, you know, everyone was talking about this new technology called like apps and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and like having a real website that maybe collected people's email addresses like wow you know (laughs) mind-blowing stuff stuff. (laughs) so I partnered with a friend of a friend who had a a web business who later ended up my partner for 12 years and then my husband and my baby daddy. Oh, <laughs> is this a Matt Matthew? Is that correct? Matthew Clayhorse. Yeah. Look at that. Look at He's that. He's shy and he hates press and he doesn't like being involved in any of this stuff. Uh, well, you know, um, it's a good match there. Like, I'll take the camera. Get out of my way. <laughs> oh no, I don't get me wrong. I kind of hate it too. Oh really? Oh. All right. Well, interview's over. Uh, <laughs> No, it's important. It's important. Uh, I like having conversations. Podcasts are my favorite thing to do. Cool. I'm not meaning to be offensive to you. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. So he, we met after the first raw showcase and he was actually trying to sell me a website. And the Mm. more we talked about it, the more we're like, well, what if we kind of collaborated, you know, our ideas because he was, he wanted to start a website for artists to sell their work online. This was before Etsy, actually. Girl, girl I think he was trying to sell you more than a website. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. You, you know, it's funny. <laughs> we have like this whole thing where depending on who, if we're telling the story of how we met together to a third party, whoever gets there first, the story is he fell in love with me or she, then she fell in love with me. It's like a thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. whoever can get in there first. But no, we we were strictly platonic and worked together. In fact, sure. she was engaged. I had a boyfriend. Like we were just working partners. But okay. we had a lot of chemistry work-wise together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> And we decided to kind of collaborate our our ideas. He wanted to create online retail for artists. And I was like, well, no, what if the retail was the ticket aspect? And we just meshed our our ideas to online offline platform. And um, so that's how that started. So he's the web guy. And then we decided to launch Raw across the United States. And the best way to do that was to drive across the country. We thought road trip. <laughs> we, were actually, <laughs> we were actually supposed to do the trip in the summer and we were having a hard time raising funds for it and getting sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So in the 11th hour, this software company that honestly had zero, uh, interest i think they just felt sorry for us (laughs) like i don't know how it helps their business at all to sponsor it but they worked in the same office building that we did and i think the ceo took pity on us and was like okay you guys need a couple thousand dollars to go across the united states to launch your art (laughs) here you go put our logo on the side of your van and everyone was like what the (laughs) like what does this even mean yeah 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 not even crossing uh you know target demographics whatsoever but we did it and (laughs) we drove across the united states and um we opened up raw locations with local 
creative entrepreneurs all over the United States. And um, I think we did 17 cities at that point in 2011. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They flew to us in, I think we had our training in Long Beach that we did for three days and we put everyone up in the, in a hotel and then they flew back and then we went to each of them and negotiated each venue contracts and like helped them with the, the process of upstarting. And then they launched in like January or February of 2011. And there we were in all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> locations. Yeah. So That's then huge. we continued and, and launched in, um, in Australia and Canada. We were in London for a period of time. And then most recently before the pandemic, we launched in Mexico at the end of 2018. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. roughly 11, 12 years, or I guess 12 years since you, 11 years since you first started. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. How many cities are you? You start out with just LA, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many cities are you in today? Well, we were active in 70 cities around the world. Okay. Um, until March twelfth, twenty twenty. Okay, March we'll get into 12th, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, March twelfth is our eleventh birthday. Oh wow! So okay. We literally had like this champagne celebration planned with our team. So in the U.S., basically the way that we've operated internationally is we had master licensors or licensees rather in Australia, Canada, and Mexico. Okay. So they essentially have purchased a license from us to use our trademark, our technology, and our systems, and just us give them all the knowledge we have. And then they go and upstart their own in that location. And then when the pandemic hit, we had actually, for the last eight years, we had an office in downtown LA. We had 55 employees. And we were a well-oiled machine in the sense of we were getting all of our processes and systems down to a place where we figured it out. The website never went to Matt's idea of the retail. (laughs) It went more into the back end of, you know, being able to streamline our systems and processes and kind of running all of these showcase events all over the place. So we had a a headquarters kind of operation at the time of the pandemic for the U.S. So our employees were flying out to these locations and hosting the showcases and we were booking them and had different departments and booking artists from um, our headquarters in LA because we wanted to rein in some of the, the quality control that we lost when we did that round trip tour of the U.S. We hired a lot of people from Craigslist and bless their hearts. They were pioneering and crazy enough to do this with us and to upstart without us having a name for ourselves. But some of them tarnished the brand in certain locations, you know, and some of them didn't quite do a good job. And we were still recovering from some of those experiences. So yeah, in 2013, was it 2013? I think. Yeah. We decided, okay, we're, we're going to put down roots, put an office in, have employees, give them 401ks and health insurance, like really do this thing. Like a big grown up business. Yeah. We made it a bit. So I had to grow from this, like 
young fashion designer person to that suddenly I'm the CEO of a multi-million dollar organization and trying to figure out, you know, board meetings and P&Ls and the EBITDA and, you know, <laughs> things like this and trying to just in general mix art with commerce and make sure that like artists know it's okay for them to make money and for them to want money sure, and sure, like sure. make that they can make a career and it's like, it's okay to do things for a profit with an altruistic mission. And that was a really difficult <laughs> bridge to kind of, or, you know, gap to bridge. Um, yeah, yeah. So spent the last eight years basically in an office doing that, figuring it all out and developing our technology. And then, then the pandemic hit <laughs> right when we we're about to like, we just, you know, celebrated our 10 year birthday. We popping the, popping the bottles. <laughs> yeah. We were like, so excited. Oh we're like, we, this finally doesn't feel so chaotic. We're finally in a place where we, we know all the pieces and how they fit and what's best for like, we tinkered so long because no one had done this before us. Right. There yeah, wasn't yeah, like yeah. a roadmap, right? We were kind of the first people to do an online offline platform for artists on this scale. And um, yeah, so there was, we had to figure out everything the hard way through trial and error. And we were, we finally felt like we got there. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then chaos got thrown into you <laughs> before we get before we get into that yeah. chaos i'd like to ask if i may you you talked sure. a little bit about the money and and that it's okay for artists to make money and mm -hmm. that's part of what you were promoting uh and helping to teach artists that yeah if you don't mind talking about it, if you do that's totally fine but how did you from the early days because i'm familiar with the model that you guys have now but from the early days mm -hmm. how did you guys make money i mean like there are events that you threw with your friends you had said that you guys kind of pulled your own resources together. I imagine the first event that you threw probably didn't make money or. Yeah, not, exactly. Not much. And so how, <laughs> well, how did you go? Cause I've had that same experience. You know, we've done, like I said, we've done a few <laughs> crave events. Some of them work out great. Some of them aren't so profitable. And so right. how did you develop the model that you got to, right. like, how did you, how did you figure that, that part of it out? Well, it was certainly inspired by the early days of us all pitching in money. When me and my friends did it, we each, I think, pitched in like $350 or something like that back in 2005, just okay. like a flat fee. But with Raw, I wanted to make it basically free if you were willing to promote yourself and hustle, because yeah. I, I think that kind of mirrors life, right? You're either born into money and you have it available to you or you have to work for it. So our bread and butter was ticket sales, hundred percent funded by ticket sales. So you can imagine how devastating the pandemic was for us. Sure. Um, we never had any corporate sponsors or investors or big injections of cash. Mm. We certainly have taken on debt from time to time to sometimes keep afloat or to invest in something we were doing. But other than that, it was literally have one show, maybe and made some money. Okay, great. Invest it back. And we kept doing that. It took us seven years to become profitable. Wow. That way. I mean, good for you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's we bootstrapped <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, we, we did. And it honestly, I don't know that I would recommend it. <laughs> 
like looking back, I mean, it feels really noble and it's something I'm super proud of because I don't know a lot of people that could sustain through that period of time. It was hard. It was really hard. What Uh, you do, what you do, just to be clear for for people listening as as far as an artist is that, Mm -hmm. is that you want to be in the show. We want to have you in the show. You can pay the fee. I don't know what it is today, but you know, like 250 bucks, I think it was when my wife was in it or you sell tickets to cover that cost. And, yeah. and, the, and that is the driving factor of we, to get bodies. I mean, we need bodies. So how do we get bodies in the door? You get the yeah. artists to sell tickets, which I personally think that's genius. You have, a, you have your sales force right there of, yeah. you know, I think- Well, it's a, two-prong, it's a two-prong approach. It's like, not only does it get bodies in the door because we certainly want people there to witness the art and the fashion and the music but it also teaches the artists how to promote themselves which a lot of artists don't have experience doing and are quite fearful of actually and so it gives an educational experience as a part of that too but the the bigger thing is like you know an artist hosting their own show is going to cost thousands of dollars most likely depending Mm -hmm. if they want to do it the right way and i mean we won't even talk about like music most bands know they play to their same seven friends and empty bars for years and years and years before Mm -hmm. they gain a following and and fans so it's an opportunity for the artists to be seen by 800 to 1000 people that they would normally never be in front of and it is amazing the connections and and people that are fused together and network at these events as a as a result you know so everyone to kind of cross-pollinate their circles of support throughout the showcase and some people love that model and i appreciate that you say it's brilliant other people hate it you know we've been criticized for it and i won't ever understand that because i'm an entrepreneur and i would have killed for an opportunity like that as a fashion designer i would have been like all i have to do is sell 20 tickets and i get like headshots and photos and a place in the showcase and they're going to help me source models and they're going to help me source hair and makeup and i'm going to get to like have a go at selling my stuff and they don't take a commission like what (laughs) that's amazing you know but some people are like i i'm an artist and i shouldn't have to well and and i you know (laughs) it's funny and i am not surprised to hear you say that there that you've experienced that with people the two things that i think that that i think are real important there is one and i didn't realize this but you don't take a commission from the artists what they sell they keep we never have that's that's brilliant. Anybody, any artist who signs up with any gallery is gonna take a profit. You know what I mean? And hundred percent. Yeah. Even and the other side of that is is what you said about promoting yourself. If you don't feel confident enough to sell your own products, then why should you expect anybody else to do it? And as yeah. it's true, it's just as true as an artist. It's even probably more true for an artist than it is for the average person. So if you're yeah. not willing to promote yourself, you know, then how do you? How much do you really believe in your product? That's that's my feeling. Yeah. And it's okay to be fearful. Like, I think there's a certain, you know, the, the artsy people that I know, and I know a lot of artists because I've been immersed in this industry for 20 years. It's right. like, I, they do have a certain persona about them where I understand there are some blockages there where they really have a hard time talking about themselves and their yeah. work. 
but it is so necessary. And there's never been a better time to be an independent artist right now. You don't have to be tied to a gallery. You don't have to be tied to a label. You can do everything. All the tools are there. Absolutely. But, you know, raw is just one piece in, in the ecosystem of the art world that can help further along their career. Right. And yeah, we don't like yeah. to take credit, but there's, there's some big artists that have come through our organization and we don't say it's because they participated in raw that they're famous now. No, but it's like they hustled and they saw opportunity and mm -hmm. they didn't gawk at something that maybe cost them time or money to, to invest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote a book in, it released in fall of 2019 and luckily I got to promote it for about six months before <laughs> the, whole, the, the world crumbled. It's called The Work of Art, a no-nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. And that was essentially me giving all of the advice and from seeing all of these artists and all of their walks of life and their different journeys and kind of compiling it into literally a no-nonsense field guide where I'm very blunt and to the point. Like, if you want this, if you want this for your career, it can completely happen, but you have to change the way you think about some things. <laughs> and uh that was a big inspiration for my book. Again, going back to my inspiration, it's like when I see something I don't like, I just have to do <laughs> let's let's uh, let's hit that again. It's called the work of art. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the work of art: a no nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. It's nice. on Amazon. Fantastic. Um, Available on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a bestseller on Amazon when it came out um, a couple of times, actually. And it's been um, it's been on podcasts and giveaways. It actually got picked up in a couple of schools as curriculum, which I'm very grateful for. And was oh, that's a fantastic interesting surprise. Yeah. Well, you know, after um, I've been a professional photographer for many, many years and I didn't have a degree, I had an equivalent of associates. Right. So I decided to go back to school and I went to the Art Institute of Colorado in Denver. And one of the things that I loved, one of the things that they focused on was your salesmanship as an artist, as a photographer and selling yourself oh, yeah. as an artist. And they really, it was such a valuable tool that, like you said earlier, most artists, if they don't have that kind of formal education, they don't do it if they don't know. And you have yeah. that other side of, I, I just want to create art, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and then that whole, I'm a, I'm a true artist. That's, that's hundred percent bullshit. If you, if, <laughs> if I may say so in that, if you're an artist, if you are an artist, you also have to be an entrepreneur. You also have to be a business person very much so. And yeah, you're your own brand. Yeah. Immediately. The second you put your yourself out there and you say first name, last name, here's my art. You are officially a business and a brand. It's yeah. like, you have to get on that train and you have to learn all that you can or get off of the train, you know, ultimately. Right. right. When we launched the Art Unknown store, I knew that I was going to have some pushback from artists. And I reached out to all of the visual artists that I interviewed on the podcast to say, and looked at, you know, we looked at their, would their art be appropriate for the clothing and the things that we're doing? And if, and if it was, I said, Hey, I love your work. This is what we're doing. And we're launching this and your work would look totally rad on the clothing that we're creating. And we want you to be a part of it. And I did, and I expected it. And I had a few artists say, no, like my, I won't do that because my art belongs on the wall. And I'm like, that's totally fine. But I mean, go and walk into any museum today 
any art museum yeah. today. And the art is on pencils and it's on t-shirts and it's on not only posters, right. but it's on, you know, keychains and art can be on anything. And so for me, for the, for the people who say, oh, I'm a true artist and my art belongs on the walls. I'm just like, you are missing out on a huge opportunity to grow, like you said earlier, grow your brand and grow yourself mm -hmm. as an artist, grow your reach. Mm -hmm. One of my, I will venture to say mentors, she's most certainly a friend. Her name is uh, Shana Nice Dambrot, and she is a very well-known art critic in Los Angeles. And okay. one of, she wrote a guest blog for Raw years and years ago. And one of her top things that a piece of pieces of advice for independent artists was say yes to everything for a period of time and then say no. <laughs> and that has always stuck with me because I, I did that myself. I said yes to an internship that didn't pay me anything. And I had to pay for parking in downtown Los Angeles. I <laughs> guess, right. I was bitter about, that. I was like, Oh my God, you're going to teach me what, you know, please. Okay. What do you want for that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have said yes to everything. And I think that has led me to any bit of success that I have is taking those chances and those opportunities as they arise. I think that's really important. So yeah, I, I will never, it's hard for me to see why there's such a blockage there. <laughs> I, I get it initially, but I would think like if you, if you spend some time really as an artist thinking about what you want in your career and maybe where you want to go that uh, it wouldn't be such a hindrance, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. overall. Yeah. And you would say yes to more things <laughs> even if it costs you time, money, or, you know, um, work yeah. because that's what it takes, my friends. <laughs> well, I appreciate that bit of wisdom and thank you for, for, for being on board with that. It's, it's, I mean, you're right. It's, it is scary if you've never done that, if you've never had to sell yourself before. So, and as you yeah. said, artists are a certain breed. I've been that way. I've been that in that place where it's like, I just want to take pictures. I'm behind the camera. I've always been a bit of an outgoing person, but I think, and I know this is really stereotyping, but many artists are, in, are, are introverts in many ways, you know, and they feel comfortable yeah. in their studio. They feel comfortable creating whatever it is they create in whatever medium they create. Sure. It's like, it's like a musician who never performs in front of public. Yeah. You can only perform in the studio to a microphone for so long before, you know, you have to you, go you, share it. You're right. Yep, exactly. It's a great analogy, actually. <laughs> Thank you. You can put that in your next book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm going to put that in my great. next book. <laughs> so let's, let's talk briefly about the pandemic. So 2020 sure. hit March 12th, mm -hmm. you were celebrating your 10 year anniversary, popping the bottles and then 11. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the, the world shut down. How did it affect you over the past year and a half? And, and where are you guys today? Um, do you want the like whiskey on the patio and chain smoking and <laughs> story or <laughs> that was like the first month I gave myself a month for a pity party. And then after that, I kind of cleaned up my act, <laughs> picked myself up by my bootstraps and went forward. Did um, you guys have to shut down like your business been like, lay people yeah. off and send everybody home and be like hundred percent. That's tough. Yeah, it was, it was really tough. We had 55 employees at the time in downtown LA, huge office, like 6,400 square foot office. And mm. 
you know, had a kind of nine to five situation at that point, running all these events across the country. And yeah, we had a very different March 12th planned because that was our 11th anniversary. And the World Health Organization, like two days prior had announced the pandemic or the day before, I think uh, they officially announced that we were in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a bunch of uh, meetings scheduled for that day and I canceled them all Mm. and locked myself in my office and was like, shit, I have to figure this out by tomorrow. Right. So um, that was March 11th and then March 12th walked into the office and yeah, had to give furlough notices to 55 people. We thought you know, the downtown LA, Los Angeles in general was one of the first to kind of shut down the city and, you know, two weeks to slow the spread was what we thought (laughs) that, you know, obviously at the time we didn't know that it was going to be this long or this bad. And so we sent everyone home and like, it sucks. I didn't even really get to say goodbye to some of these people that had worked for us for years because we, I didn't know that'd be the last time that I saw them in person. Yeah. And what ensued from there was there were certainly colleagues and friends that I had in the events industry and music industry that were impacted and we understood each other. And I was calling them like, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? Like most of them lost their jobs and it's like such a scary time in the world in general. And then you lose your job. Right, right, right. right. I, yeah, I'm the CEO of a company and I lost my job, quote unquote, you know, out of just from one day to the next, it felt like a over the course of 72 hours, we went from a multi-million dollar organization with showcases running all over the world to zero dollars in revenue. And not only zero dollars in revenue, everyone and their mom requesting a refund, which is understandable. Sure. And it was scary and disheartening. And we didn't know when we could come back, if we could come back. I, of course, began to read as much as possible on the topics of pandemics and how this works (laughs) and, you know, when, when something like this could possibly be over. And I discovered actually quite quickly, like within a week that um, I read some old, like World Health Organization document that said like most pandemics are 18 month processes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was telling my friends, like warning my friends, I was like, this is going to be an 18 month process, you guys. Holy shit. Like it is written down. There's a plan. You can like see what steps they're taking. This is where we are. This is where we're going to be. You know, this is not going to do things right too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Screwing things up. People exactly, and people thought I was like a conspiracy theorist. I was like, no, I'm literally reading a document (laughs) from from that. So, yeah, once I realized that this was going to be a long time, it was like, okay, we spent the next six months dismantling everything. It took 12, 11 years to build the company at that point in like a matter of months. And we had to shut everything down. I mean, we had to figure out how we were going to get through this. And that meant taking all of our expenses down to an idle. And it meant negotiating out of our office lease and canceling contracts with vendors and getting refunds ourselves for things that we had paid for. And it was, it was a mountain of mess. And 
just imagine having to cancel an event and then there's, you know, tickets that were sold. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it was, and you're already depressed, exhausted and in shock. And then you have to do all this work. So that's really to give you an insight, <laughs> like the behind the scenes, that's where we were. Okay. That said, we also spent our energy and time. We got the PPP loan and we decided to, but it really didn't work for our industry because we couldn't like reboot in two months. It was like events were gone. So there was no way for us to really generate revenue. And there was a lot of question marks on that for our industry in general. So we essentially used the last of our resources and we're like, what we're going to do with our PPP loan and time is we're going to bring our employees back if they want to come back. Some of them didn't and we are going to, and trying to manage people over Zoom, oh my goodness, <laughs> like that was its own type of hell. I'm sure it's different now, but like, oh my God. You so, and I are doing okay, but it's just Yeah, we're fine, but they still, <laughs> made, they still found a way to like upset each other over Zoom. I don't yeah. know. It, just, it was just a time, you know, it was a time. And Rule number one, have, make sure you have your pants on or the camera <laughs> not showing your legs. <laughs> they even ask though like employees to you know work during that it was just really difficult it was hard to lead because you didn't know what was going on so how could you be conf- confident in what you were projecting it was it was just a difficult difficult time and so, so but fast- what we did do we made we made masks for um, the local hospitals, a lot of our fashion designers stepped up to the plate. We partnered with Joanne Fabric and did that. We did a fa- we did a um, fundraiser called uh, the National Arts Drive, where we like built this quick map, interactive map, where people could pop up in their lawn and on this certain weekend, people could come by and donate via Venmo from afar and look at their work and oh, stuff. Wow. Okay, that was fun. We did. We tried to. We sprung into action to help. And then after that, we needed a break, you know, like it was just, just mentally and physically um, as leaders, we ended that in June. And then in December, we announced our comeback because essentially what we did over that period of time is I took some time as the leader of the organization to kind of recenter on what I wanted to happen next. And get pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, I did <laughs> because this was the first time for, you know, in my adult life that things had slowed to a pace that would be okay to get pregnant. Like sure, I can't sure, imagine absolutely. trying to run raw and have a kid like, wow. oh my goodness, like the way it was. So yeah, I kind of came back to the center and I started raw when I was 24. I'm 36 now. I'm not a spring chicken. I didn't have, I don't have all the energy to reboot this the way that it needed to be. Okay. But I know that I wanted raw to continue on and through other people's visions. And I knew like the event industry was going to look very different when this was all over, at least for a period of time. And so what we kind of landed on was, um, this concept of taking our tech, our current technology that we had used to build and manage raw and um, offering it to creative entrepreneurs that wanted to start their own raw showcases in their own location. Like we did mm. way back when 
Yeah. This time they have to have some skin in the game and it's not people I hired off of Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) So right now we started a licensing program and it's called Platform by Raw Artists. And artists can pay for a license to use our trademark, our tools, and our technology. Inside the technology is my mind, basically baked into, um, there's an educational tool that basically with videos, documents, different um, digitized tools to make running a creative art showcase efficient and profitable for the individual. So we have sold a handful of licenses now. We just launched to the public on September 1st. And yeah, we have our first Raw show back that I have zero things to do with, which is the (laughs) weirdest feeling. (laughs) So are you guys in Tampa Bay? I'm sorry. I cut you off. Yeah, In December in Tampa Bay, we have a Raw show. So that'll be our first back after the last what it'll be 20 months I think. wow oh well, congratulations and and the organization itself the raw like sort of your home office corporate i know that's virtual now and that mm-hmm. you're not managing these shows anymore no. you're, you're having <laughs> licensees yeah. do, do the do the heavy lifting yeah Exactly. They get to run it according to their vision. Again, we don't tell them what to do. We say, hey, here's what worked for us. And here's some templates and some documents. And, you know, you can use all of our tools and collateral, etc. They pay for the right to use our, our trademark. We're very selective about the licensees that sure. are allowed to purchase this license sure, sure. and in fact the majority of them have been raw artists themselves oh, wow. so okay. yeah a lot of them that have participated in the show and seen the benefits they want to bring it back to their location and do it in their own way that's awesome and yeah, it's awesome. It feels good for me to be able to, it's a weird feeling to say, here's everything I've learned in my career. There you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. but they have our secret sauce. They have our tools and our technology, and we're going to continue to enhance those. And then we're also launching a white label version of uh, the technology in 2022. White label with Paul McCartney? Yeah. The white album? <laughs> <laughs> What's, no, the white, people, what's the white people, label? The white label version is um, people, venues perhaps, or craft fairs, or anyone who runs creative events. I believe that we have a product, a technological product that like no one has. It marries a customer relations manager with a full ticketing suite, mobile check-in, digital documents to run your showcase from an iPad. Like, I don't think anything, anyone has all of these things in one. Um, And we have built it really over the course of 12 years. And I'm always trying it out and giving us feedback and being able to kind of book your talent, plan, promote, and produce your events, creative events for creative people. That's completely customizable. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we done it. It was a success. It was profitable. And now we want to share that with other people because the world has changed. It's not, some locations are safe, some are not. And it's mm-hmm. going to probably be like that for a little while longer. 
I'm tired. <laughs> they can <laughs> read it uh, and run with it. And I want to, I really just want to see how people do things differently, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's the platform by Raw Artists. You can find it at rawartist.com slash platform and you can apply for a license in your area. We have several still available in major metropolitan cities. Okay. But basically the way it works we're making it super approachable and affordable for people it's a ten thousand dollar license in most metropolitan cities for four years and we have we are breaking that payment into four payments so it's twenty five hundred dollars if they want to get started and then a royalty fee per ticket and heidi i gotta say for those of you listening she just did exactly what we we're talking about. I didn't ask about it and unprompted, you pitched it out there and said, this is what it is. This is what it costs. This is how you can get in. This is where you can find it. I love that that you weren't afraid to do that and share that. Obviously that is a woman who, a person who has experienced and done this. <laughs> You've been in the trenches and you know what it's like. So any artist that's listening, take that little tidbit right there, Heidi. I, let's just quickly hit that again. So rawartist.com. Slash, slash platform slash platform is where you can find details uh anybody who wants to sign up it's a ten thousand dollar program that you can are licensed for four years that you can split up those payments if you wish i'm sure if you guys have 10k that you want to throw at them all at once they wouldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> it makes it a little bit cheaper you know in a royalty way but yeah there it's um i i invented this job uh you get to be the purveyor of creativity in your location. And it's certainly super rewarding to provide that if you are a creative entrepreneur and you want to plan, promote, and produce art showcases and bring it back in your community. We welcome anyone that wants to apply for that and we'll have a conversation about it most certainly. I I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Before Before we go, I'd like to ask you a few deeper questions if we can. Sure. specifically around art, uh, something I like to ask all artists and being an entrepreneur in the arts, I'm sure mm-hmm. you have a really great answer for this. Why should we care about art? In my opinion, art is the ultimate freedom. And I think it's one of the few innate things that is not hopefully, at least in our country, governed or policed. There is an opportunity to kind of uh, express yourself the way that you want to through art and the onlooker or the listener can also take whatever they want from your art so that's why I feel like it's the ultimate the ultimate intrinsic freedom in a lot of ways so I think that's why we should care about it and why we should incubate it (laughs) art is the ultimate intrinsic freedom (laughs) yes that's it's beautiful I love that I love that I mean you've been giving it for 12 years but I wanted to ask you as a as an entrepreneur and now that your business has has evolved into something that's slightly different, what is your hope to give back to the world as an as a as an art entrepreneur in the future? Oh man. I've always said that one should always spend their time with people in places and on things that are severely worthwhile. And that's What I ultimately hope to do in my career as a whole is um, I want to do things that are worthwhile and that are meaningful uh, with my time that sure, they might generate revenue, 
because that's necessary to keep things going. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they're doing something bigger and better for the world. You know, I'm not, I could be an insurance salesman, sure. <laughs> Everyone needs insurance, yeah. but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't give me uh, the pep in my step to wake up every morning and, and fight on, you know? So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about this, but I want to hit it again. What do you think holds most artists back from, um, because, and I'm asking you this because I asked it a lot, but also I know that the, the raw artist mission is to, to help artists, especially artists that are just starting out to become more comfortable as a, on the business side of their art and to get help, get mm-hmm. their art out into the world, whatever. So what do you think holds most artists back from becoming professionals? I think that sometimes they have a distorted view on what the art world should be. I think artists tend to assume that they will just be discovered someday and someone will pluck them from the interwebs and then they will just become famous. And while that maybe kind of sometimes somewhere happens, I haven't really heard of it too many times. Never heard of it. (laughs) Most people that I know that have quote unquote made it in their creative industry, whatever that might be, have put in 10 years of work on the back end and they might have a lucky break here or there. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the main thing. Artists need to one, know what they want. And you have to get real clear about that. Do you want to be an artist because you want to be in a gallery? Do you want to be an artist because you want the fame and fortune that you feel comes along with that? Like, there's a lot of ways to get fame and fortune, quote unquote, if you want it. Like, does it need to be through your art? Do you severely need to create what you're creating? Get clear about that first. Then make a plan. That's number two. And number three is follow that plan no matter what gets hurled at your face <laughs> in the process. <laughs> and go and fight for it and sweat for it and know that it's a marathon it's not a sprint and uh yeah put in the work and hopefully you do get a lucky break but don't count on that as as the way that you are going to become everything you want to be it's it's work you know and it uh it takes a certain type of person to see all of that and hopefully the people listening to your podcasts, right, they're, they're coming to you for some type of knowledge and understanding. Um, hopefully. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, and hopefully they're extracting that from it and uh, yeah. want to want to learn something so that they can go forward. And so, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would say holds them back is not knowing what they want, not understanding that this is a long journey. And uh giving up too easy don't give up too easy yeah 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 you said i mean it took you how many years before raw was like profitable where you felt like seven years before raw was profitable seven years yeah and i and there are i talked to an artist from denver recently and he's been working his part-time or his full-time job for 10 years and Mm -hmm. he's just now his plan is next year he will be able to quit his full-time job because he's grown his art business and i i get that all the time um Akuta San Miguel from Spain, he, he took him nine years to work like grinding until he was like, I can live as an artist. And so I love what you said. Number one, get clear Two, make a plan three, fight for it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So (laughs) 
a hundred percent. And I don't know if those specific things are in your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, they are things in my book, and I so, give you steps on how to make the plan, and I tell you the real stuff if you want to know it. <laughs> if you're not afraid to know it, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been. I know it's been a a big transformation, especially these last two years. Um, yeah. But what would you tell yourself if you went back to that 20 year old girl who moved to Los Angeles with the wrong boyfriend? <laughs> what, if you ran into her on the street today, know it and knew the future that she would have, what would you say to her? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I would tell her, I've actually been thinking about this a lot in a weird way, not, not about talking to my 20 year old self, but just like what I've ultimately learned the same lesson over and over and over again is I didn't trust myself enough. Mm. I wasn't, I spent too much time listening to other people, assuming they knew better. And it's very, you certainly take pieces and tidbits and knowledge from other people as you should, especially someone that's been there before. But I think I took too much advice from people who hadn't been on the journey and just had an opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And being a young, naive girl who is like precocious, but also just like kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say like meek, but like, I think I was much quieter and like easier to push around when I was younger, but I was a hard worker. And I think I got taken advantage of a lot in that regard. And so I wish I would have trusted myself and listened to myself and maybe had a mentor. I think I probably would have done that differently. I would have got a mentor that was like in my exact field of interest and like hung on to them for dear life or something, you know, someone who had been through what I wanted to do, because I think, again, you can run into lots of people. Everyone's got an opinion, Sure, but I think you got to talk to people that have been where you want to go. And that makes a huge difference. And I wish I would have done that differently. Well, I think you are now that mentor. So, you know, anybody like seriously going with the raw artist with the, the, um, the platform, it's, you know, you are the mentor that, that you wish you had. So any young artists out there who, especially event, who wants to be an event planner in the arts or event producer in the arts, I think that that is now you and you, you are the mentor that you're looking for. And I think that's also really key. It's, it's one of the things that is in all aspects of life, we, we kind of, once we, you know, once we graduate from school, we don't have that anymore. Like we don't seek that out, the, the mentors, mm-hmm. you know, and I, but mentors are super important. We, I have a mentor in my investing practice who has taught me so much. I, I, sure you can go online today and you can learn anything online. The entire world history is available online, but it's not the same as having some other human being to sit down with you and to share their wisdom and their knowledge. So I think that's so valuable that you, you mentioned that. And I think it's also great that you are, like I said, you are the mentor that you've, that you wish you had. I think that's really fantastic. Yeah. For whatever, for better, or for worse. Since I was <laughs> a young kid, I, I love telling people what to do, I guess. <laughs> Bossy. <laughs> <laughs> so I made well, a career out of that. <laughs> well, the la- let me ask you this. Like one of the last questions, how has art affected your life? My life has been immersed in art. I mean, the title of my book is The Work of Art. Yeah. Um, 
I think that on a, it might sound cheesy, but in our own way, every human being is kind of creating their own masterpiece of themselves, if you will. I mean, I'd have to, maybe this is a cop-out answer, but I feel like everything is art and everything in my life has been affected by it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I work in it. I help artists. I, I'd consider myself an artist, a creative I, not, I might not be in the studio, you know, uh, drawing dresses all day like I used to, but I'm certainly creative on a daily basis and I wouldn't really have it any other way. I think it's, again, like the ultimate freedom and I feel the best when I'm building something and creating something and solving problems. So I think it's it really is everything that I, <laughs> I've ever touched or been involved in mm. is art. So it affects me in all of the ways that it possibly could. That's beautiful. It can, and it gave you a husband and a, and a baby. So It sure did. <laughs> it sure did. In a roundabout way, it sure yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heidi, I am so thankful to have this time to chat with you, mostly because, you know, having known about your company and been a supporter of it for so many years and having been one of the people who really used raw artists as a way to to find artists that I love and to, to help me build my business with Crave Magazine. And now I even used it with the podcast in the early days, you know, when I still lived in Denver, I was going to Raw and talking to artists and meeting artists. And, and it was really cool actually to make friends and have friends outside of Raw that I said, hey, do you know about this Raw thing? There's been several fashion friends that I've had that have gone on to become Raw artists through fashion. So I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for creating this. And I thank Matthew for sticking with you. <laughs> and um, so thank you for all of that. Do you have any last words to share with the, with the uh, Art Unknown listeners? I would say the last thing to say is like the, the world has definitely tilted on its axis this last two years. And artists, it's up to you, man. You guys got to say what you need to say about this period. And I cannot wait to see the art that comes out on the other side of this. And like, just bring it, guys. Let's let's see some cool stuff. Let's hear some good music. I want some rage, please. <laughs> some, some somberness. <laughs> I really, I really am just, you know, no pun intended, craving um, that art experience because I haven't been able to go to Iran in almost two years, and yeah, so. Wow. Artists got to bring it. That's what, like, I hope they take this, all of the emotion that has been mixed into these last two years and just use it to create something amazing. And I hope they make money with it. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. So last question. Sure. How do people get best a hold of you? I know we talked about, so just, I want to throw this out one last time. You have a book. It's available on Amazon called The Work of Art, A No-Nonsense Guide for Creative Entrepreneurs. So search for that, Heidi Luera. You guys can find that. I found it very easily. And then <laughs> do you want people to go through the Raw Artist uh, platform to get a hold of you or to contact yeah, you? Yeah, there's um, the rawartist.com website has all of the showcases that will be upcoming. Most will be launching in 2022 and artists can submit to be a part of those. We just might not have one in the location quite yet because we don't have a licensee there. But if sure. they want to apply to be a licensee themselves, then go to rawartist.com slash platform. And then I have my own website, HeidiLuera.com, where they can read about my past 
past self and find my book. And I also have a small consulting business that I'm working with creative entrepreneurs on and investing in small businesses, et cetera. So that's all on there as well. So there you can find me, just Google me. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know what? While we sit here, I didn't Google you because I knew Raw, but I'm gonna Heidi Luera and Luera is L-U-E-R-R-A. And HeidiLuera.com. Boom. Entrepreneur, founder, leader, connector. That, <laughs> picture, whose black and white picture is that on the front there? Is that that you? was a very younger me. A raw artist so grace graciously uh sketched and surprised me with that from a, a photo of way back in the day i'm i'm in the process of redoing my website because it's it's uh yeah that that picture i think it was 23 <laughs> so it's, it's been a minute <laughs> well it's it's beautiful and it's it's a cute little picture so anybody wants to get in touch with you who doesn't listen to anything else we had to say for the past however long <laughs> Google Heidi Lewera.com or Google Heidi. If you want to see cute baby pictures, uh, yeah, follow on me Instagram. on Instagram. <laughs> Indeed, I see that. There's Matthew. There's your, there's your babe. There's your, both your babes. <laughs> so yeah. well, Heidi, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for taking this time. And, and it was so great to finally meet you after knowing about your business and being kind of peripherally connected to you for such a long time it's been it's been yeah fantastic. likewise jim thanks for the opportunity this is fun absolutely as a follow-up to the podcast episode you just listened to i wanted to let everyone know that the event they had in december last year was a smashing success it was in tampa florida and raw artist has events coming up through the rest of 2022 and beyond and now it is gift time. Heidi has graciously gifted 10 copies. Yes, that's 10 copies of her audiobook from the book Work of Art, a no-nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. Just email Heidi at Heidi at rawartist.com. Once again, that's Heidi at rawartist.com to get your copy of the Work of Art. The music for this episode of the podcast is the song Army of Me. It is the new single from Chuck Wright's Sheltering Sky, featuring vocals from raw artist Whitney Ty. Stay tuned for the upcoming conversation I have on a future episode of the podcast with Whitney Ty, and check out all of her music, her fashion, and her art at WhitneyTyMusic.com. Now that the podcast is finished, why don't you head on over to ArtUnknownStore.com where you can find some amazing art-infused athletic wear and accessories. That's artunknownstore.com and special bonus, podcast listeners, as always, get 10% off when they use the code AUPODCAST10 when they check out. Once again, that's AUPODCAST10 at artunknownstore.com. Thanks again for listening to the Art Unknown Podcast. I am the host and producer, Jim Wills. Remember, always take care of one another and feed your soul with art. Yeah.